When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And welcome to another exciting edition of Not Survival Series. This is the WrestleTalk podcast review of Friday Night SmackDown. I am your host, Tempest, the acting Jam That Champion. And I am joined by the lovely and tall Dave Bradshaw. I'm I'm rebranding as the submission specialist, Dave Bradshaw, after beating Luke in that submission match in the PFK World Cup. So that's the thing I'm going to try and introduce from Mm -hmm. now on. You gotta um, hang your hat on something. Yeah, I'm, I'm unbeaten in submission matches, so everybody's I, good at something. You just need to find your thing. Hi, Luke. By the way, just don't forget I beat you. Never. It'll never happen. He'll hold it against you yeah. forever. So well, of you course might, you might beat him tonight. I might. I might do it for you, Dave. Yeah. Because yes, if you are unaware. We are doing our live reaction watch party for Night of Champions tonight, perhaps this afternoon, depending on where you come from, where I will be putting this wonderful Jam That Championship on the line against not only Luke Owen, but the professor, the truth, Dan Layton in a triple threat predictions match. So make sure that you watch along if you're not coming to the show. And if you are coming to the show, I look forward to seeing you later today. But in the meantime, we are going to be getting into our SmackDown review because who we can, we've got more Bloodline stuff to talk about. We'll talk about the uneventfulness of this show in a, in a bit. But of course, naturally, the big takeaway from this show was the latest development in the Bloodline story, setting up the Solo and Roman versus Sammy and Kevin match for the Undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship tonight at Night of Champions. Because on this show, first we had a backstage segment where the entire Bloodline was in Roman Reigns' locker room, and Roman Reigns tells Paul Heyman to let the Usos know that they are welcome to attend the 1,000-day celebration of Roman Reigns' universal title reign next week on SmackDown. He says he wants the whole family here, so I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. Somehow I don't think the whole family's showing up. One of them is a little difficult to get a hold of these days. I mean, we could we could hope for Rikishi. We could hope. Yeah. Rikishi could be there. Yeah. You, you never know. 
Make sure you check out Adam Blompier's latest fantasy booking that is available for one month free uh, free access. Not that. One month early access over on patreon.com forward slash Russell Talk of Cody Rhodes finishing the story where Rikishi might indeed pop up. Hmm. Little teaser there. Yeah, maybe we see Rikishi. The Wild Samoans, I reckon, will probably where is, be uh, there. Where is SmackDown next week? Do you know? I have no idea. If it's in, like, LA, yeah. then, well, I mean, it's probably not because I've just been to LA. But, like... That would be interesting. It would be, yeah. but eh, we'll see. The okay. point is, the point is, Roman Reigns is excited for his celebration, and Jimmy stands up and he's like, man, I don't even know what your problem is. And he goes to, to leave, but he's standing there, and Roman says, sit down. And Jimmy doesn't do it. And so Roman stands up and gets in his face. And he's like, you're a big man. Do something. Like, do something. Do it. Do it. I whooped you as a kid. I'll whoop you again now. Try it. Do something. And he does nothing. And Jey Uso walks him out of the room. So I'm starting to get to the point where it's like, all right, Usos, it, it's time. It's time to buckle up now. Yeah. Like you're you're being disrespectful, but like you you got to be willing to throw that punch if you're gonna be doing these things. I think the phrase is poop will get off the pot yes indeed yeah. and that is even more so the case later in this show because the next time we see the bloodline it is in the main event segment where kevin owens and Sami Zayn are hosting the ko and sammy show and their guests are supposed to be roman reigns and solo sokoa but instead they are first greeted by the usos and they go out and they do a little promo back and forth and it's a lot of what we have seen the last few months. It's the Usos saying they're the best tag team in the world. It's Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn saying that the bloodline is is crumbling and, and such. Much of the same. But this does end with Jimmy Uso saying when it comes to tag team wrestling, when it comes to those titles... I am the tribal chief. Can't say that. You can't you say can't that. can't say it, Jimmy. And Michael Cole starts losing his mind on commentary. Paul Heyman starts losing his mind on the apron. And like immediately, Roman Reigns' music hits. And he comes down to the ring. And Roman Reigns is having none of it. He immediately slaps the microphone out of Jay's hand. He slaps the microphone out of Jimmy's hand. And as he's staring down his cousins, Sami Zayn says into the microphone... Roman, you know this is all over. The bloodline is collapsing, and it's all your fault. And he goes over, and he slaps the microphone out of Sammy's hand. He's in his face. And then Kevin Owens hits him with a stunner, and they all brawl. The Usos brawl with Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn. And Solo Sokoa is the one that eventually takes out Owens and Zayn, leaves them laying, and now the titles are in the ring. All of the tag titles are in the ring. And Jay picks up a pair and hands them to Solo. But Jimmy picks up a pair, and he holds on to them. And he won't give it to Roman. And Jay goes to take it from Jimmy, but Jimmy still doesn't let go. And Jay has to, like, rip the titles away from Jimmy and give them to Roman Reigns. And Roman Reigns takes all four tag belts and raises them up. Solo gets nothing. Mm. And he holds them up as the show goes off the air. Great little piece of staging yep. there in terms of like everybody, again, everybody's got a very clear character in this scenario and you, you can go so many different ways with it. Like they didn't highlight the, the solo 
angle to that of like Roman was holding all the titles and and everything. That wasn't as much the point that they were pushing on television as, you know, the Jimmy Uso disrespecting Roman Reigns angle. But something is very clearly brewing here. Mm. We are now mere hours away from Night of Champions where I am expecting something to happen. Yeah, I mean... No matter how big the moment is about to be between the Usos, between Solo and Roman or whatever the bloodline thing is, I am really hoping that this show is going to be one that has like one of those turning point moments, like a Sammy turning on Kevin Owens and helping the bloodline win war games moment, a Royal Rumble moment, you know, those I thought you meant that literally for a minute. I thought you meant like Sammy turning tonight. No, God, no, please. (laughs) That's not what we need. No, 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 no. But I think there's going to be some sort of major development in this story tonight. And if there's not, I'm not sure there will be. I think there will be, I think the most logical thing to happen now is that you'll probably see uh, the one or more of the Usos kind of accidentally cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would consider that a major development, though. And then and then they pull the trigger on something maybe next week on SmackDown on this thousand day celebration thing. But it, like, here's the problem now, and this is what you've been talking about for months, and I'm, you know, it's not something that's been under-discussed, but since they didn't pull the trigger on taking the title off Roman against Cody at WrestleMania, right? What do you, like, you know, it's very interesting what Triple H said at the press conference after WrestleMania, where he's, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but basically, like, oh, if I, you know, if I didn't think I had a better ending to the story, then we would have, we would have done it, right? So he's, he's saying he thinks he knows a way to tell this story of how Roman loses the title. But the problem is now that they've set themselves a huge booking challenge every paper or every premium live event because it's like, okay, let's say that that, that happens. The Usos kind of cost the uh, cost Roman and, and um, Solo the, the titles tonight and it goes to, I don't know, Roman v. Jimmy are we looking at next for Money in the Bank maybe? Sure. And it's like, does anyone believe now that Jimmy Uso would defeat Roman Reigns for the titles in a one-on-one match in a pay-per-view in London? I would say no. And and you you, you end up just, to, even if you're not gonna switch them, just to, make the, just to make the audience have that kind of level of belief that it could happen is such a challenge now. Uh, I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think they've really, yeah, it's really, really difficult to, to make the fans believe. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see if it's a challenge they can they can live up to. Yeah, I mean, I, I've talked about it to death. I mean, I think it is very unfortunate what they've chosen to do because I think every story beat that they're doing right now works so much better if Roman had lost the title. Yeah. If this was his paranoia that he needs championships, he needs to one-up his cousins because now, at least visually, there's no belts between them, so he needs to be above his cousins. It all would make so much more sense if he had just lost that championship. And also, uh, don't get me wrong, I'm a Bloodline super fan in terms of the storyline, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm still into it, I think. Like, I, I, I enjoyed last night's stuff. Like yep. all of it, I think it's still good. As you said, By far the best thing on the show. Oh, easily. But like you know, the stagecraft is still good. But it, it is. You are starting to get to a point where it's a bit like, okay, the Usos are looking mad but not doing anything. Like mm-hmm. we said, Sammy's telling Roman that the bloodline's falling apart. 
but it kind of hasn't. And it's like, we're, we're still just about in the realms of where it's entertaining and not repetitive, but they've got to do something fairly soon, yeah. I think, because otherwise, I mean, imagine if we're still basically in the same place with the storyline by SummerSlam. Like, it can't be. And so no. something is going to have to change because really we're not that far removed in terms of where all the characters are from February or from when certainly sure. from when Jay kind of rejoined the bloodline. There's nothing much has changed in terms of, except there's a bit more trouble brewing with the users again. But then we've seen that before. Yeah. So it's like if that amounts to nothing, if that's just to set up a, a one-time thing at Money in the Bank and then they're all going to be back together, I... I there's, a, there's only so many ways you can go with this before it does kind of start to be a bit like, okay, we need something new now. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, like, I think there were a lot of really good aspects of the Bloodline story that could be told through little teases at a time. Mm -hmm. Like the the Sammy and Jay stuff, I think, was was great. Sammy potentially turning on the group and the growing dissatisfaction at Jay's uh, uh, being being caught in the middle and everything that we saw in February leading up to WrestleMania, all of those things I think were very good at telling that like piecemeal story. But I do think this section of the story isn't one where you can be like halfway there. No, it is sort of like okay, if the Usos are going to be disrespecting Roman Reigns, they need to do the thing, mm -hmm. you know, because I think this level of things right now, the disrespect that Jimmy has been showing towards Roman Reigns outwardly, I think kind of undermines really everyone's position a little bit yeah. if it's done too much without the payoff. That's why I'm hoping that the payoff comes tonight mm -hmm. and it, some sort of payoff. It doesn't have to be like, you know, the huge moment. It can be something that then makes you turn into SmackDown next week and then we get a moment or something. But if you have Jimmy Uso undermining Roman Reigns like week after week, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden I start to lose interest in Jimmy because now he's not going all the way with it mm. and actually turning on him. He's just kind of being pissy. But meanwhile, if Roman Reigns doesn't put him in line and make Solo like hit the spike on Jimmy or something, then Roman looks weak. Then Roman yeah. looks inferior, and yeah. it's just something that I need them to handle before it becomes an issue. I'm just imagining Triple H like watching the show, as I'm sure he does every week, where he like and he's probably headbutting the wall because you know at some level it's like, well, fans are always saying that there's too much like shotgun booking uh, in WWE historically, and now we're doing long-term slow burn storytelling and now everyone's saying well speed it up a bit but but speed it up a bit <laughs> i just think kind of you do need to a little bit because it's just as i say it's just starting to starting to not mm -hmm. stall but starting to get a little bit like okay we need something something to change now yeah like, Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. We have the rest of the show to get to, and unfortunately, it was a little uneventful, this show. I think if you're being kind, you could say the show was fine, and that is what I say in my edited review. I say that this show was fine, because I think if you just watch this show in a vacuum, it's like, yeah, it's a show. Nothing really that you'll remember in a week's time outside of the Bloodline stuff, but like, no real memorable matches or or promos, or anything like that. But the more I think about it, the more I think that's not fine. You know, in terms of this is a go-home show. Yeah. You know, this was, like, really kind of phoned in by a lot of people, it felt like. And it just feels like nothing's really cooking on SmackDown at the moment. And, and that's that's the problem, right? Is that yeah. they're so dependent on the Bloodline storyline now on SmackDown, yeah. which is like... Mm, yeah, you okay. really could have like freshened things up after the draft, mm. and I think the show is in a lot worse of a position than it was before the draft. Like roster wise, at least, just sure. I may have been tired of seeing like Judgment Day and LWO matches like every single week. Like you could have changed things around there, but this show is missing Walter. Something fierce. There are so many people now that are in like regular matches that just aren't exciting, like attention grabbing at the moment. And we'll get through it because we kind of start with one of those matches because the opening match on SmackDown was Sheamus versus Austin Theory. And I mentioned last week uh, with Pete, lovely, lovely Pete, that it's really, really tough 
when you've got Walter and Sheamus as by far the best rivalry of Sheamus's career. Mm -hmm. And the presence of the Intercontinental Championship gave Sheamus's character a lot of agency. It was a believable goal, it was attainable, it was something that you thought that Sheamus could achieve, made sense why he wanted to achieve it, and he was having the best matches that he'd ever had for it. And now they're on separate shows. Yeah. And now it's like, well, what does Sheamus do now? Does he just kind of go back to being mid-card guy who's got some cred because he's a former world champion and X, Y, Z? And so far, the answer's kind of yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, he still has a lot of goodwill with people because he's just had this Walter feud. But the opening match here was Austin Theory defending the U.S. title against Sheamus, and it so did not matter anywhere near as much as the mid-card title that had previously been on SmackDown. Mm -hmm. And again, the match was just kind of like fine, you know? Like, I mean, it's like the main purpose of it seemed to be set up went by pretty deadly. Yeah. Intervened at the end, I assume they're setting up a six man or something. And yeah. It was like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, fine. Yeah. But not like, like, where's Austin Theory going now as well? I mean, there doesn't seem to be like, yeah, there's a, quite a few things. We're going to say this a few times here, I think, where it just feels like there's not a clear direction mm -hmm. for several of the characters or storylines here. And, and this one is maybe the classic example because with yeah. Seamus and Theory, I don't think you really know in either case. Where, where where are they? What's what's their arc at this point? I have like, no clue. Yeah, it. <sighs> I don't want to spend every segment with Austin Theory on this show comparing him to Walter because that is not fair. But at the same time, this show was better when Walter was on it, yeah. and he was swapped for this guy. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's unfair to him, but I'll place the blame on the people making the decisions. And sure, Raw in that case would have gotten better. So like, good for Raw, but I don't watch Raw and I'm reviewing this show and this show got worse. So mm. I, I got to give my, my critiques of this show when I can. Like, uh, where is Austin Theory going? Like, you could say that Walter didn't have like this overarching storyline mm. as champion, but like, his presentation as champion was so airtight mm -hmm. where he was just like, who is my next challenger? I am a fighting champion and I will defeat everyone. Yeah. Full stop. And it was brilliant because he was having the best match on the show every time he wrestled. The Austin Theory, I don't know what his deal is. He's just kind of generic heel guy who's also the mid-card champion. Did you see uh, what John Cena said about Theory in his interview? Yeah, he week? doesn't believe anything that he does. Yeah, he said yeah. basically that the promo he, hit on, he said on him on Raw, wasn't it, before WrestleMania was true. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I guess the... I don't know how I feel about John Cena saying that. Do you well, know? Like, yeah, I, I think it's very funny. Um, but... But there is, I mean, one of the reasons it's a bit uncomfortable is because I think there is a little bit of truth to it in the sense, I'm not sure it's Theory's fault necessarily. I think he is, I think he does have a, you know, bundle of potential. But but yeah, what's the, what's his character now? Like what's his, I mean, where does he, it feels like they haven't really used that capital of him defeating John Cena at WrestleMania. Yeah. That could have, you know, that could have been, and presumably the aim of that was to make, make a star out of Austin Theory. Sure. It's the like, same way that like The Miz has talked about beating John Cena at WrestleMania for like, you know, 15 yeah. years. But like 
never means anything. Yeah. yeah you I know, mean, because it didn't mean anything then. This gotta, hasn't meant anything. You've got to start then giving the guy a push on the level that you gave like Randy Orton a push when he was Intercontinental Champion like sure. years ago. You know, you've got to like make it a, a thing. You know, otherwise, why, have you, why, why bring John Cena in to lose to the guy if you're not going to then, you know, push him to the moon? Um, it, just, it just seems like they're, it's almost like they're undecided whether they're quite ready to or not. Yeah. In which case, well, maybe, maybe it was a little early to do that Mania match then. Maybe. I don't know. It's really tough. I'm not a big Austin Theory guy personally, but I know a lot of people who are, and I've seen him have good matches and everything. I just don't get excited when I see him on TV. Like He doesn't really do anything for mm -hmm. me at the moment anyway. But yeah, he beat Sheamus in this match because Pretty Deadly come out, and they brawl with the Brawling Brutes. And one of them ends up on the apron, and they're getting the Sheamus clubbing blows, and then Theory rolls him up and gets the win. And that's it. And that's fine. Well, that's the end of the segment. Yeah. Sure. We then had the Bloodline backstage segment that we talked about already. And then we had my favorite thing, Tag Team Amnesia. <laughs> this, is a, this is a big problem on this show, Dave, you mm -hmm. see. Uh, because, holy hell, the WWE women's tag team situation is 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 something and i know that they did a thing on raw i know that this has been set up on raw that this is the new partnership but raquel rodriguez has immediately gone to her new partner slash old partner shotzi and they had a match on this show with bailey and eo sky and i just find it so funny that like Raquel Rodriguez is just perpetually getting a new partner. Mm. Like it was, it was Aaliyah, then it was Shotzi, then it was Liv, then it was Shotzi again. There's probably someone before Aaliyah too. Like oh, it, it is just hilarious to me. Mm. Cause I'll tell you right now who it is doesn't matter. No, it makes everyone just seem like really interchangeable. Absolutely. Like, and, it, and that's not, obviously doing anyone any favors. So yeah. it's like, well, okay. Obviously among them, Liv Morgan is like the most accomplished and most mm. popular because, you know, former women's champion, Money in the Bank winner, etc. But like, I don't know. Makes it really difficult to care about these tag matches and the tag titles when none of these teams really have like anything going for them. It's like the one that's actually a team here in Damage Control, they're breaking up. Yeah. You know, because that's what's happening here. It's almost more... more so, you know, to pardon the pun, but it's almost more—it's more damaging to have this women's tag division with, with titles and whatever if you're not gonna do anything with it. They got to control that. You know, like you've either got to, either got to do it. Yeah, nice. Gotta, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was late to that. Yeah, that took me a couple of seconds to process. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean, either either do it right or find them something else to do. I mean, that's been the story of the entire women's tag division. We're yeah. kind of beating a dead horse with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the story of this match here was basically just that Shotzi and Raquel were refinding their, their chemistry together, whatever that means. And then meanwhile, Bailey and EO Sky are furthering the damage done to damage control with a miscommunication spot that led to one of them being pinned. And then they argued after the match and that was that. Again, pretty, pretty just normal stuff uh but we then move on and move on quickly hmm. because we then had cameron grimes beating ashante the adonis in a very short match and hit row come out 
boy has their stock ever fallen. But they come out and Top Dollar sweeps Cameron Grimes' leg during this match so that Cameron Grimes can get a brief uh, moment to sell. And then Cameron Grimes fights back and hits the cave-in, and that's it. It's a very short match. Michael Cole is burying Hit Row the whole time because that's his bag. And you know what? Sure. I've given up trying. I'm, I'm not waiting for the explanation of why Michael Cole hates Top Dollar. Hmm. Now I'm just laughing at it. Uh, and then after the match, Cameron Grimes is making his way back up the aisle, and Baron Corbin knocks him out. Because it wouldn't be an NXT call-up without your first feud being with Baron <laughs> Corbin. They, of course, had their match previously where Cameron Grimes got the win in, like, five seconds or whatever the case was. And now they're going again. And, you know, I'm never going to say that I'm glad that Sat's not here because I love Sat dearly. I love my co-host, my House of the Black Mask brother. But goddamn, do I not care to see Baron Corbin have one of these feuds, you know? Yeah, the Sats thing for Baron Corbin is 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 one of the more inexplicable uh, things on on the Wrestle Talk podcast. But mm -hmm. but yeah, you know, I'm trying I'm trying to find something positive to to say. I do like the cave in. It's a good move as yeah. a move. There we go. I feel like we're being negative. So there you go. I, I like the cave in. Yeah. I don't and I don't I don't know if I hate the country boy gimmick yet mm -hmm. i don't I, I i'm not i don't know where that's i don't know how i feel about that yet but i'm, I'm not not ready to say it's bad like, no I, I just think that again as i said last week with pete it feels like they have kind of stripped away a lot of the character that cameron grimes had yeah he's very plain at mm. the moment where he's just like i'm just happy to be here like, yeah, I got my win, and I'm gonna go to the moon. Yeah, that that's pretty much the beginning and end of his character. And at the very least, I'm happy to see that he's getting wins. Yep. You know, like I like Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes is a good wrestler. He's a good talker. He can do good character work. And I would much rather see him winning than see him losing. Mm -hmm. That being said, where's his money? Have him come out with his crazy hat and like you know, be a character. It would be a lot more like. You could play off so much stuff with Cameron Grimes being, you know, the rich guy going against Baron Corbin, who's like, can't buy a win. Yeah. You know, it's a, there's fun stuff to be done there. But no, it just kind of seems very by the book and mm. fair, fair play to that, I suppose. Bianca Belair came out and said that she was going to retain the Raw Women's Championship against Asuka. And then Asuka's music hit. And she didn't come out from the ramp. She came from behind and locked Bianca Belair in a cross arm breaker. And security and agents and producers and everybody all ran down to break them up. And Bianca kind of fought through. She was going to hit the KOD on Asuka, but one of the agents caught her. And then she ran out of the ring and then laughed. And again, like, solid. Mm. But this was... Very by the and, books. And throughout the segment, the crowd went absolutely wild without moving their mouths. It's funny which how was, that happened was on remarkable. Show. Like, I'm, I was yeah. going to say that uh, in the segment immediately following this, mm. uh, because that was also a big talking point on Twitter for this show. And we might as well get into it here, because there really just wasn't anything to get into here. This was another very by the books segment. You know, very by the books brawl. Promo beforehand, sneak attack, pull apart, go their separate ways type segment. Because the the one that followed this was L.A. Knight coming out for a match with Rick Boogs. And 
I don't know about you, Dave, mm. but I've certainly noticed that LA Knight has gotten quite popular. Yes. Particularly in the Battle Royal prior to WrestleMania, although that was in LA, it was not indicative of being the only place no. where LA Knight has been mega over. People are with this guy, they're doing his catchphrase, they're doing all of the the sing-along type things, especially during matches where he's got an elbow drop where he goes LA Knight and then hits the thing. It, it's good stuff. And they have got someone who can cut a promo, can wrestle. Grant, granted, he is on the older side of the roster for a new star. He's mm. 40. But still, he comes out. And the crowd noise on this show was hilarious. This was some truly heinous work. <laughs> Because he comes out, and there were, like, a lot of moments throughout the show, like, during the backstage Bloodline segment. Yeah. Like, I think it was when Roman said, like, I whooped you as a kid, I'll whoop you again now. It was like, silence, silence, silence. Boop. Yeah. And then immediately followed by silence again. And this was hilarious, because this show was taped, if anybody didn't know, because they're all over in Saudi Arabia right now. This show was taped, so they edited a lot of the crowd noise into this show. Mm. And this was probably the most egregious example where LA Knight comes out and the reaction goes, Yeah! I don't get it. What are they playing at? Why do it? Like, why, if if he's organically getting over? Mm Mm-hmm. I know this is not the first time we've ever asked this question of WWE, but like, what? Just go with it. Yeah. Like, let him let him be a you know like a tweener for a while, and then gradually, just let him organically become a babyface. Why are you trying to? Well, it, it, this is the problem when you give him a week to edit something. Yeah. Like you know maybe it's just overthinking it, but I don't know. Just let let LA Knight be LA Knight, yeah. and let the audience react how they want to. And I think you you would have a start. Like I'm not saying I'm not saying you'd have like you know, the next rock, but you'd have like, you'd have a decent. He'd be in a much better place than he's in right now. Yeah. Like, and I don't know. It just feels like that sometimes they just work against themselves and it's like, no, come on, just let him, let him be. Yeah. But yeah. So he comes (laughs) out and he does his, his match. He does his match. Yes. He wrestles Rick Boogs, Mm -hmm. Eric Bugenhagen, which I always think sounds like a ice cream. Like Hagen Dazs. Hagen Dazs, yeah. yeah. You can see that. Bugen Hagen Dazs. Yeah. And what flavor ice cream would he be? Oh, do they make like beef flavored ice beef cream? Fla- <laughs> I bet they do. Somewhere. Someone does. Uh, like, undoubtedly. Yeah. If someone wants to send some beef flavored ice cream to our office, then. You can eat well, it. Well, no, like, we'll have a leave. With a pickled egg. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Never again. <laughs> Awful. Oh. Uh. But they do a match. Again, it's pretty straightforward. The Street Profits come out, and they are on commentary for this match. And LA Knight eventually hits the blunt force trauma for the win. He exits the ring, gets on the mic, and says that he's not done with the Street Profits, that he can make change out of their $5 asses, and that they want the smoke, but they're going to get smoked by LA Knight. Yeah. And later in the show, it was announced that Montez Ford and LA Knight will be having a Money in the Bank qualifying match next week on SmackDown. Now that, to me, is slightly distressing. Yes. Because I would like to see both of those men in the Money in the I Bank I was about to say match. the exact same thing. Yeah. So who, 
Who's not going to be in it out of those two then? Considering that the reports are that people aren't taking notice of LA Knight at the mm. moment, I think he's in Money in the Bank. Because, I mean, he's also been one of those, like, heavily favored people, at least on Twitter and such, to win Money in the Bank and stuff. So Which, I think, by the way, I don't think he's... I don't think he's no. going to, no. but I think having him in the mix at least creates intrigue. Yeah. Whereas I don't think anybody would think Montez Ford would, would win the match, but he would definitely be a standout star in the match. So, See, I think they're putting Ford in. Yeah. I mean, I would. would like, after what, I mean, like I would have chamber. Montez Ford in, yeah. in a Money in the Bank match. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. It is, distressing is the word. Because, yeah, I want them both in. Yeah. I guess that's good, but I don't yeah. know. We will see. Actually, it's true. Cool. It, it is good that there's two guys we really want to see. It's kind of so. like the year where the qualifying match for Money in the Bank for WrestleMania was Jeff Hardy versus Shelton Benjamin. Yeah. You know, where I was like, yep, but, but, but both. Both. both, please. <laughs> both. Yeah. And that was the, the one Mania Money in the Bank match that Shelton wasn't in. Yeah. Craziness. But yes. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there. I thought this was a really good promo from LA Knight, though. Just like a really good... Anybody who can talk should cut a promo after each one of their matches for like mm -hmm. 30 seconds. Not like the rambling 12-minute promos. I don't need to see one segment stretched out into two with an ad no. break in the middle. But if you can talk after you win a match, you should be able to just be like, yeah, and then blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Because I'm the best, and yeah. I like the kind of the old school, have the interviewer ringside. Yes. Just get them to react as they leave. Nice. I think that's good. Yeah. yeah. But it gives you like that kind of like UFC feel where like if you win the fight, you get to talk. Yeah. <coughs> oh my God, I'm getting <laughs> choked up by this. <laughs> oh, I'm going to tickle in my throat. It's going to be bad. Oh. But we'll see. This was the most egregious example of the crowd noise thing, though. And it was kind of a thing throughout the show but my god figure it out it's like i don't want to rant on this for too long but like, do they think people don't notice because it's not like it's like subtle right you know, like subtle as a brick it's like you know I, I if the logic was well we want people to think that the crowd is booing then you know i understand the logic if it was done well but it's like just put a goddamn laugh track it, under the show while you're at it i don't you know. know it just seems just seems silly yeah but I don't know. Backstage, Karrion Cross is doing another tarot read. He's reading for AJ Styles, and he says that AJ Styles shouldn't be worried about Seth Rollins. He should be worried about what condition he will be in after facing Karrion Cross. Turns out he's fine. Which card is that? I don't know. No, it's I'm not sure. Cups. That's yeah. the one I know. Yeah. Yeah, because, man. I think they have pretty much telegraphed who's going to win this title tonight between Seth Rollins and AJ Styles. Considering, I thought the video package they've done for Seth Rollins where he's doing the sit-down interview and everything is very good. Yeah. WWE video packages almost always are. But that was a good video package. really kind of hyped him up, made him seem like a big deal. And then there was no such sit-down interview for AJ Styles to parallel that or anything. He just kind of got like a, an AJ Styles highlight pack. Which, don't get me wrong, AJ Styles has a lot of highlights. That's, you know, mm. it's hard to make AJ Styles not look like a star. But the presentation on this show did not feel like a guy going into a world championship match who's about to win. No. No, but there is a small chance, I guess, 
that they are deliberately leading us down that path, possibly. Sure. And that, you know, there are these rumors, although the rumors seem very planted. This, these rumors of, oh, actually, WWE are kind of not sure about Seth as champion because of his movie commitments and all that kind of stuff. And it's a bit like mm, these, these sort of unnamed WWE sources only started sort of saying this stuff when it was like very obvious that Seth was going to mm-hmm. win. It's almost like someone's gone, maybe we need to <laughs> muddy the waters here a little bit. But um, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I might just be being, being a conspiracy No, theorist, I think, but... I, yeah, maybe. But like, I, I think Seth is winning this match. Mm. At the very least, like if he's going to be involved in any way with, you know, the, the fourth Captain America movie in, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is very successful, wouldn't you put the belt on that guy yeah. so that when people go like, oh, I wonder who this guy is, blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh, that's the WWE world champion. That's crazy. Hmm. As opposed to just like, oh, he wrestles. Do something. you think there is, like, I mean, I'm excited to see Styles against Rollins. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think there's a missed opportunity not giving the title to a new guy? Like, like how the, I mean, like I know. Who? Well, I know, like, with the Universal title, I know it didn't work out because of injury, but they were like, oh, well, we'll give it to Finn Balor. Sure. And we'll make a new star. Um, you know, Seth Rollins will be a great champion, as would AJ Styles. I'm not disputing that for a moment, but it's like, but you've got a, the chance for someone to be the first person in that new lineage of the, or the continued lineage, whatever it is, of the world championship. Could you? No, I don't know if it would be Gunter, if it would be... I don't know who... Mm. Pick someone you like. Well, like, that, that's the thing. I think if it was, like... If it was Walter, like... Mm. That might be an exception to what I'm about to say. Because I don't necessarily disagree. But I think it's very clear immediately that this is the secondary world title. That's mm. not really been, you know, any point of, of conversation, even debate, that it would be otherwise... You know, like, it's very clearly the secondary of these titles. And I think if that's going to be the case, you want to minimize the risk of making it look even weaker. Mm. And I think there is an uh, a easier chance of you giving it, giving it to an unestablished guy mm. to make it appear less than. And so you give it to somebody who is established, is very reliable, that people aren't going to be questioning of why Seth Rollins is is the new champion or or anything like that. I think that's good for a first one. That being said, like, yeah, if it was Gunther, I, I think yeah. people would latch onto that. But of course he has other commitments with a different belt. It feels like the it feels like the logic of this new world heavyweight title is a little bit like and not to not to say that Gunther isn't a workhorse because he is, but like but like the old school sort of intercontinental mm-hmm. thing where it was like, well, we've got the the world title and that's on Hogan and he's only going to defend every so often, you know, Roman Reigns in this case. And it, and it's like, well, we'll have this workhorse title where the, the guy with the world heavyweight title is going to be a fighting champion defending mm-hmm. every single week on Raw. Maybe that, if that's the logic, then yeah, Rollins or Styles, yeah. uh, you know, good choice, clearly. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. yeah. It's an interesting conversation, though. Like, I think if there were better option if walter didn't have a title on him right now i think he would have been my shout to do this yeah but yeah hey ho this match however carrying cross versus aj styles again fine enough maybe a little underwhelming just because you just know who's gonna win you know who's gonna win Mm. i'm not interested in carrying cross at this point i think he's well beyond damaged goods in the in the eyes of of fans He's doing a lot of these like three week 
rivalries where he's just like reading the tarot cards of somebody. He's like, you will never be the same after you face me. And then they just beat him and then he never mentions them again. Mm-hmm. You know, like he talked crap about Shinsuke Nakamura for like, you know, two weeks. And then Shinsuke just beat him and then left. Yeah. You know, and he's never brought up Shinsuke again. Like clearly it didn't mean that much to him. But now he's done the same thing with AJ Styles where for two weeks he's just like, I'm going to pass my judgment on you, Alan. Mm. I'm going to do this. Are you ever going to make it past me to Seth Rollins? And then he just beats him. And it's not yeah. like... Because I know. think the, the gimmick only worked, this dark, mysterious tarot kind of stuff. If he then, you know, somehow keeps on getting the... Like, what, he, what he says is going to happen somehow happens. Yeah. Because then it's like, oh, maybe there is some power behind this. Whereas if if none of it comes to fruition, then it yeah. just looks a bit silly. So it's like, I think, if, yeah, if you're going to do that, you kind of need to... Yeah. And I'm going to actually compare this to an AEW thing that I also didn't like. You know what really burns my ass on these wrestling shows? It's when a lot of time is dedicated to someone who doesn't win. Mm-hmm. Because to me, the people who should be on the show every week and get brought back and everything should be the stars, the people yeah. that win, you know, the people that y- you would pay money to see. I have no earthly idea why someone like Karrion Cross would be on TV every week in kayfabe when he loses all the time. Yeah. You know? And from a non kayfabe perspective, I cannot get invested in this guy. Because he loses all the time. And yet, a lot of time on this SmackDown show, week to week, is dedicated to this guy who can't buy a win. And I've had the same problem with, you know, Baron Corbin, when he was doing happy talk every single week, but then would never win a match. I can't handle that. In AEW, like last year, there was quite a bit of that as well, when it was like, you know, the the Jay Lethal, Satnam Singh, Sanjay Dutt trio, Mm. when they were just facing like Samoa Joe and stuff where it would be like, they'd be on the show every week, but I was like, I know they're not going to win anything, though. Yeah. I can't deal with that. It's like, if you're going to be, if if your whole job is to be fodder for people, then, like, you've got to find a way to be entertained. Maybe it's a, right. a comedy character or something. Where is it, like like we're saying, if with Carrion Cross, there's this seriousness and the tarot and all yeah. this kind of stuff. Well, yeah, the two don't gel. You can't, you can't have a, like, serious, menacing guy who's really not menacing at all because he doesn't win. Yeah. Like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. It's really tough being a monster Mm. who's supposed to be intimidating but can't win. Yeah. I don't I don't see the point of that character in wrestling, I gotta be honest. But it is unfortunate because it seems like, and I know we've kind of been harping on a lot of things on this episode of SmackDown, but I think it is just kind of like indicative of where the show is at right now where like it it doesn't feel like there's a lot of direction for a lot of people and everybody was saying that you just had to wait until after the draft Mm. and then after the draft things will be you know shaken up and that post wrestlemania lull will be done away with and there'll be a bunch of new things and like uh, it's really tough because a lot of the people i was really excited to see on smackdown are guys like Edge who aren't going to be on the show every single week. But, like, when this show doesn't have people like Edge or Rey Mysterio and the LWO and folks like that, and granted, they've been on the show the last few weeks and stuff, but then you get an episode like this where the matches that you're going to watch are Rick Boogs, 
and Karrion Cross and Austin Theory. It's kind of tough like, to hold my attention. I'm not going to lie. I always think the good test of a weekly episode of Raw or SmackDown is if you say, what from this am I going to remember two months from now? Right. And the answer is probably just the, the Bloodline segment at yeah. the end. Maybe the Bloodline backstage segment. But a Bloodline aside, mm -hmm. really not much. Not a lot. No. I mean, that's been the case for a lot of SmackDown for a while, but, you know. I mean, again, they they get by on the fact that the Bloodline stuff is so good. Mm -hmm. um, but as we said earlier, like, that does feel like that, even that's starting to get to a point where it needs to be shaken up. So it's, it's a, SmackDown feels like a show that's, like, got a load of potential to be really, really good. Mm -hmm. But it's just something's not quite clicking in a lot of places at the moment. It, you know, it wouldn't take it too much tweaking, I think, for it to be really good again, but mm -hmm. it, it does feel... Does it, am I being harsh? No, it does. It feels a notch or two down, like, since pre-mania, doesn't it? Yeah, like, I think so. Yeah. And it's funny. This has always kind of been a barometer of mine uh, in terms of how important things feel. But if your rivalry on TV doesn't feel like it would be blown off on a pay-per-view. Yeah. I think that's kind of indicative of where exactly it stands. And you look at a lot of the stuff and you go going into backlash, mm. the only like smackdown match was like Zelina Vega and Rhea Ripley. Mm -hmm. All the other things we were watching week to week were just filler. Yeah. And it still kind of feels like that. Like, what from SmackDown right now is going to be blown off at Night of Champions? It's just the Bloodline stuff and then the, the SmackDown women's title. Mm -hmm. There are no feuds on this show that are building and have interesting story beats week to week that make you excited for the pay-per-views. And I'm excited, but I'm excited, by the way, to see Bianca and, and Asuka again. Should but, be a good but match, like, yeah. But, um, but yeah, like the build. Again, like, to be honest, the, the thing with the crowd noise was so distracting yeah. that you're just like, yeah, I guess the segment was fine. But the thing I'll remember about it was how how annoying the background noise was, <laughs> which is hard. That's harsh on the performers. But it's like, yeah. it was so distracting that it's just like, okay, come on. So, I mean, I'm sure they'll have a great match tonight. It'll be good. Um, it's why it's really easy to watch the pay-per-views because you can forget about this sort of thing. Yeah. Like, you know, everybody's going to remember Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair this year mm. and they're going to be like, great WrestleMania match. Probably the best women's match in the history of WrestleMania. Yep. And they're not going to remember the two months of absolutely nothing that was on SmackDown every week. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I do think they'll, I think they'll, they'll knock it out of the park, but I think they'll have a very good show overall tonight. I would expect so. It looks but, like a fun card. Yeah, but... Yeah, it's just this sort of this the week to week journey yeah. to get there, and, and I, I do have some confidence that cause, because money in the bank is so much fun, yes, that like building up to that things might pick up on both Raw and SmackDown. Yes, but qualifying matches are always fun, just yeah. matches with stakes. Love that. Yeah, and I think once you get towards like okay, we're gonna have a big show in London, and then we're gonna have SummerSlam. At that point, maybe things gear up a little bit more. Yeah, but we will see. Mm -hmm. And that brings us pretty much to the end of the show because we've then just reached the main event bloodline angle that we have already spoken about. So let us know what you think of this episode of SmackDown. Let us know what you think is going to happen at Night of Champions. If you're coming along to the watch party, you probably aren't watching this before you go because 
Doors will probably have opened by now at the time that you're watching this, if you're watching this as soon as it goes up. So make sure, of course, that you say hi or said hi and enjoy yourself. Make sure that you tune into the watch party otherwise because we're gonna have a load of fun. I am going to retain this Jam That Championship against Luke Owen and Dan Layton, and I can't wait to do so. Dave, thank you so much a for joining me. If you as need always. any tips on how to beat Luke, mm -hmm. then you're I'm, the man to go I'm to. your man. Well, I gotta say, yeah. Dave, as someone who has previously walked into a watch party and beaten Luke and yeah. walked out with the championship, I think I'm doing quite well in that regard. So but, are you more worried about Dan than Luke? I'm worried about none of them. Right. Not even a little bit. Mega confidence in my, um, in Pete's Jam That Championship, staying right where it is. L-I-W for life. Until then, this has been the SmackDown Review Podcast. We are going to be back after uh, Night of Champions tomorrow with our full podcast review of the show. And then... Guess what? There's more wrestling. We'll be back with our live reactions of Double or Nothing. It is going to be Adam and I watching the show. And then I believe Ollie and Dan doing the review of that show on Monday. So there's loads of content, loads of reviews, loads of watch-alongs, live reactions to all the pay-per-views this, this uh, fine weekend. Not NXT, of course, because who watches all that? That's not very nice. Forget I said that. I'm sure they're going to have a good show, too. Make sure, of course, that you like and subscribe if you haven't already. It really helps us out, and we will see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.